Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we'll dedicate our time to the sixth of the Beatitudes that Jesus preached in His Sermon on the Mount. Each of the Beatitudes describes a characteristic of God's holy people and a blessing upon them that results. The theme of this beatitude is purity of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Stop right there, because I already see a problem. Now, I don't know about you. Okay, that's not exactly true. I do know about you because you're a fallen human being just like me. What I know is true of myself is true of you too. And that is, I am not pure in heart. My heart is desperately wicked and cannot be trusted. God said so himself in Jeremiah 17.9, so I know it's true of us all. And I see the evidence of this every day. So then, what does Jesus mean here? In what way is any person pure in heart? Why is it important? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now I want that. But I know what's in my heart, so I'm already concerned, and I'll be paying attention. And I hope you will be too, all week. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Want to See God? Purity before God, who both desires that kind of purity, requires that kind of purity, and makes it possible for you. You have this sin problem. How could you possibly stand in the presence of a perfectly holy God? Only if you have a righteousness not your own credited to your account. Only if the penalty that is intended for you has been taken by someone else. That's the message of the gospel. It's it's God doing for you what he did for Isaiah. You may not have a seraph coming at you with a burning coal, but you have been made righteous. It's the purity that... David came to understand when he described it when he faced the reality of his own sinful heart and, and, and his own wicked deeds. You that were in Bruce Smith's class today, either, either today or maybe next time, you probably looked at Psalm 51 or you're about to look at Psalm 51. David says this in Psalm 51, 6 through 8. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. He's saying, I'm not going to crawl there on my own. I'm going to trust you to give this to me. He says, purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Now, I don't have any recipes for hyssop. I don't know if you do. I don't know if you even know what hyssop is. But hyssop branch was used to apply the blood of the sacrifice in certain situations. So he says, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. David said that when he was convicted of his sin, it was as if his bones were breaking within him. He was crushed 
by the understanding of the, of the sinfulness of his sin. And he says, God, my only hope is you wash me. You make me clean. This is purity related to the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. And the only way to have a pure heart is, well, by a miracle. It has to be the work of God. It's, it's done by God's grace. Now, that word heart, obviously the crucial word here, it's one of several words in the Bible. It is used in both Old Testament and New Testament, both the Hebrew word for heart and the Greek word for heart. They theologically mean the same thing. It's one of several words that is used to describe the non-physical part of you. You have your body and then you have the real you, if you will, that one day will shed this body and receive a resurrection body. Heart is the, the broadest of the words that describes those things. It's a, it's a synonym for spirit. It's a synonym for soul. And yet it's distinct. Uh, the heart is, is a, a the, the, well, one, one commentator says, the real you. It's the, it's the center of everything. In, in our world, we use word, the word heart to think of our emotions or to describe our emotions. But biblically speaking, the heart is the, the control center for all of your decision-making and all of your uh, prioritizing. We, we're blessed to live in a generation where we have a new analogy we can use. Your heart is your CPU, your central processing unit. The CPU in your computer is the thing that makes everything else work. It, no program will run without the CPU operating it. Your heart operates all of the stuff that is you. That's the significance of heart. Now remember again the historical context of the Sermon on the Mount. If you were to go up to anyone present on the day that Jesus preached this sermon, you were to do man-in-the-street interviews, and you'd say, okay, um, would you point out to me who are the most righteous ones around here? The person would start looking around to find the nearest Pharisee. Because the Pharisees were the ones who uh, proclaimed themselves righteous. They controlled what was taught in the synagogues. They controlled who got to be a rabbi. And their foundation, their, their brand of religion was built on a foundation of religious displays of fervor, keeping external morality down to the smallest minutiae. They rigorously kept a huge list of do's and don'ts. That kind of religion is very impressive. Well, you see somebody that zealous, you say, wow. And you know what God thinks of it? Nothing. Well, actually, He does think more than nothing. It is abominable to Him. Look how it's described over in Luke chapter 16. Jesus had mentioned some things about money, and then we pick it up at Luke 16, 14. It says, now, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money... That's interesting, just casually puts that in there. That was part of their motivation for their religiosity. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, were listening to all these things and were scoffing at him. And he said to them, here's Jesus' summary of Pharisee-style religion. You are those who justify yourselves 
in the sight of men. But God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed by men is detestable in the sight of God. Now that doesn't mean that there's nothing that is acceptable to mankind that isn't also acceptable to God. But you would, he's talking about in the, in the context here of where you think righteousness is. They were spit-shined on the outside, and Jesus says that's like a, a, a very brightly white-painted sepulcher that's full of stinky bones on the inside. You've got to deal with the heart. You can never make a heart pure by working from the outside in. It doesn't work that way. No one is ever made more holy by people putting rules on them to say, here's what you have to do to be holy. Now, you might get some external compliance, but that won't deal with the sin that is in a heart. Let God's Word wash over you a little bit with this. Let me, let me just flash some example passages by you. Psalm 24, 3 and 4. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in His holy place? In other words, who can actually ascend to the temple and worship God appropriately. He who has clean hands, that's symbolic of what you do, and a pure heart, that's symbolic of your motivations and your thoughts on the inside. Who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, who has not sworn deceitfully. It takes God's work to change the heart. Can't just do it from the outside in. Psalm 51.10 we stopped a couple of verses before this in Psalm 51. What does David say when he cries out to God? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Like I said last time, isn't it cool that the ones who wrote the Psalms knew so many of our worship ditties? Uh, we put them to music because it helps us remember them, because they're so important. One, I, I don't know this one musically, but Psalm 73, verse 1. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. In other words, they understand, I do all of those sacrifices because that's how I symbolize what you have done for me, what you do spiritually. Psalm 125, verse 4. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. Jesus knew all those scriptures and, and more, by the way, when he said, blessed are the pure in heart. But you know what? It doesn't stop with the Old Testament. Exactly the same thing is said in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 2.22. Now, flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. How do you get a pure heart? How did David get it? Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. I know what's in here. I know I can't do it on my own. I need you to do it. First Peter chapter 1. You remember from our studies in First Peter just very recently as we've been doing this day by day. 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another, what? From the heart 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.